Cultivating a spirit of service lies at the heart of OptumWorks' approach to work. Striving for a spirit of service ultimately means changing not just what we do and how we do things, but also why we do them. But how do we really assess and change something as intangible as the why behind what we do? This is the starting point for today's discussion. I'm Sharif Yunus with Dr. Kevin Majors, and this is The Golden Hour. Our all-new online masterclass will give you a complete understanding of how to integrate a spirit of service into your daily work. In this four-week online masterclass, available on OptumWork.com, Dr. Majors will guide you through all the key ideas behind OptumWork, with exercises provided to help you master them. Now let's get started. Hey, this is Sharif here with another episode of the Golden Hour. Kevin, thanks for coming back. Hey, Sharif, good to be back. Of course. Well, Kevin, I have had this question for a while now, and I thought we could kind of dig into it a little bit more. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit philosophical, but the question is, we talk a lot about working for ideals and the importance of that. Actually, that's crucial. That's like the whole thing, right? Is is how to work for ideals, with ideals. But how do I actually know that I'm doing that? So that's that's kind of what I want to discuss. How do I know that I'm working for ideals, that I have the right intention behind my work? How do I know what my intention is for my work? Yeah, it's a very funny thing, isn't it, about the will that we don't necessarily, we know definitely what we're doing, but we don't necessarily know why we're doing it. And so I have to ask you, though, is this, is this a question that you have for you personally, Sharif, or is that you, that is on your mind, or is this a question just for the people that you work with or philosophical? No, this is what I'm struggling with day to day, like hour to, really to hour. No, am I working with ideals? Yeah, that's gotcha. right. Okay, um, and in your mind, what is the what's the, what would you do with the answer? If I could tell you exactly <laughs> whether or not you're working for ideals. What would you ideally do with that? Well, if you were telling me that I'm not working for ideals, I would try to change in some way. But if you're telling me that I am already working for ideals, then I'll be happy and I won't change in anything. Gotcha. That's that's <laughs> basically it, I think. So already I can start to see a problem, but let's 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 roll. Exactly. It. So it sounds like when when you're asking this question, there is an answer that would be satisfying and there's an answer that would be frustrating. Right. And so that's an interesting light, isn't it, on the question that, okay, that there's a certain kind of satisfaction. I think what you're pointing at is that there are times when we really want to know, am I like, am I growing? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I on the right path? Yeah. So, and, and how do I know that I'm really growing in whatever the kind of work that I'm doing? And, and and I think that's a really deep question. Yeah, and so we often talk about the difference between vicious cycles and virtuous cycles. Yeah, and so a vicious cycle is something where initially it seems to pay off. There's a short-term benefit, but in the long run, the cost keeps building. And so like addictive things can be like that, where it's fun at first, but then it starts to, you know, the craving becomes more and more persistent and it starts to take over life. Giving into anxiety is like that. Anger can be like that. So emotions really drive the vicious cycles. 
you know, but in them, there's always this sense that the person has this kind of satisfaction that they're aiming for. You know, and then when they get satisfied, there's a moment of relief. But the tragedy is that satisfaction always wears off. So if you feel like you get momentary satisfaction, you know, and then it wears off, and then you have to like somehow up the ante, and then you get a little more satisfaction and that wears off. And that's exactly what we see with, say, addictions. You know, it takes more and more of the drug. I would say even this happens more ordinarily, I would say, you know, in the case of people, you know, you know, first a student, you know, he's just learning or she's just learning how to like succeed in school and then say they get an A on the test, you know, and then, oh, okay, they get satisfied. And then now an A isn't enough. They need to be the top in the class, you know, and now they have to get into this school. And then there's this kind of, um, it's called the Corsus Honorum in Rome, you know, but you would have this, you know, the, the, the steps you go through of how you ascend the ladder to power and fame and wealth. Uh, and I think there's, there can be a lot of that where we, people just get, don't get satisfied anymore by the things that used to satisfy them. And then that wearing off of satisfaction, I think is a sign that the person really was just acting for themselves. Because satisfaction wears off, the, op the opposite of that is when you're working in a sense and you, it starts to seem fulfilling to you. And then over time, that fulfillment gets deeper and deeper. So I think that, you know, for instance, if you exercise patience, let's say, in a trial, and you do it in a successful way, is exercising patience satisfying? You know, like say that, you know, there's some, someone is upset with you unnecessarily in some kind of traffic thing, you know, and, and they're yelling at you, but you just stay perfectly calm and okay, maybe you even say you're sorry. And is that satisfying? No. But there is something more fulfilling about it. Because then what you just exercise there is going to make you better for like all the other people in your life, those that you love more. Mm -hmm. You have so, the sense that you did the right thing. Yes. Which is deeper. Yeah. And there's a sense that this was in, somehow it was good that I did that. So I think that enthusiasm can be a byproduct. You know, and, and that when things are going well, and it's especially when things are kind of easy, you know, and going well, then people like brim over sometimes with enthusiasm, mm -hmm. you know, but, but when things are really challenging, but yet deeply meaningful, I think they could still be enthusiastic, but it'd be a little deeper. So I think feeling this overflowing enthusiasm may not actually be the best sign yeah. that a person is working for ideals. Yeah, surely not. Surely not. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I was thinking of that actually related to satis to working for satisfaction. Mm -hmm. That if you're working for that, if you get satisfied in work, that's like kind of somehow paired with enthusiasm. Um, mm -hmm. That there's just kind of an emotional attachment to the work or something like that. Uh, but so with fulfillment, so you're suggesting that the best way to understand whether you're working for ideals is by looking at it over the long term. So it's hard to really say this hour, did I work for ideals or not? But if you look over the last year, am I experiencing a deepening sense of fulfillment in my work? If yes, then I'm working for ideals. If no, then I'm not. Yeah, I think that if you are, um, 
you know, if you are able to, I mean, what does it, again, to, how do you know that you're working for an ideal? You know, and yes, over the long term, you see it. But even in the short run, is what you're aiming at connected directly somehow to serving people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're continually experiencing your work as a service that you're providing, that's another sign that you're working for ideals. Because every time you aim to be generous, to be patient, to be understanding, even just working on some good task with order and intensity, what really gives all ideals, I think, are ultimately oriented towards something that transcends ourselves. So it's going to mean doing it for the good of others, you know, and that means to serve them, to help them. And in some way, that's how we love them. And so that sense that you're doing good for other people and that this task is serving them, that's like the normal climate then in which you operate and it becomes easier to challenge yourself for ideals. Mm-hmm. You know, so that you, so that you are overall motivated by love, not fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when people get too caught up in just attaining certain outcomes and getting things done, then there can be like a fear of failure that often motivates them. I think some people even use the fear of failure as a motivating technique to kind of to keep on upping the stakes, you know, and mm-hmm. in, in, in what they're doing by just by reminding themselves how terrible failing this would be. Yeah. So, and I and I think that that's again, you know, in the end, what they get is a sense of relief. Okay, I didn't fail in that, or oh, mm-hmm. okay, I got that done. But then it's just another thing to get done, another thing to get done, and so it's just feeling repetitive. So. I think when people are working for ideals, the challenges that continually come up somehow feel new. So that they, there's a sense that they're kind of engaging things more creatively. And it's, it's not about them just, you know, it's, it's like, you know, they have a hammer and every problem looks like a nail. And so they're just going through and doing whatever it is they do, but they're kind of creatively engaging, mm-hmm. you know, so that... And, and, and that sense of novelty, you know, that as people go through, um, well, then you treat challenges as a first time you're dealing with something and you try to do it in a new and better way. Yeah, and then ideals are the template you use for that. Mm-hmm. Now, you might not say in your head an ideal, the name of an ideal before you act on it, but it might be that in general, you have a kind of image of how you want to be doing that kind of thing. Or you have an image of a role model who does it really well. Mm-hmm. So if, if you ever model yourself on others that you see, okay, this person does this kind of job very well, you know, and you're kind of, that becomes your pattern, well, that's actually the same thing then, that you're setting these positive goals for yourself in your performance, raising the challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So there's, uh, so you draw the contrast between fear and love, which is something that we often do. So if you're, not working for fear, then there's some sense of working for love. And love and service is those are the templates for all all the ideals or the form or yeah. something like that. Uh so so yeah, and it's pretty easy to see if you're working for fear, which is that you're kind of running around in threat mode, elevated yeah. heart rate, stuff like that. So okay, so that's one test is to make sure that you're not doing that. Is that right? Exactly. I think you can tell if you're in threat mode because you're tense. Mm-hmm. And you are typically more distractible. 
Uh, you feel like there's something in, like we talked about trances, but there's something trying to grab your attention. There's a negative trance that is, is continually forming. Uh, it might be something in the future that you're trying to avoid, you know, by, by working hard. It could be something in the past you're trying to make up for or just something sticking around. There's something leaving you feeling like things are dangerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so a lot of the work is just avoiding bad things from happening. Right. Well, it's like the center of your gravity then entirely shifts towards the negative. You know, and I think that's where the situation people get in, where then it's just getting things done. Almost like it makes them feel safe. Mm-hmm. Safety is a very low form of satisfaction. So it's like, it's like, it's a, it's like kind of like contentment. I'm not a huge fan of contentment, you know, because I, I don't really see the use of it. Uh, you know, I think it's good to be, um, when it comes to your, especially how we act, like being content with oneself. Well, you want to be, I don't think people should be, um, I don't know, a down on themselves. But also, I don't think it's good to be super self-complacent, you know, where it's just, oh, yeah, I am the way I am. And that's just the way I'll always be, you know. No, I think that there's a sense here where, um, people can be dominated by motives of satisfaction that maybe are about safety or contentment or just play, you know, that it's still though, ultimately about feeling satisfied and chasing the feeling of satisfaction. And so in the end, it's all about themselves, you know, and that's very different than what happens when people are acting for ideals, love mm-hmm. and service thinking of how to help others, thinking of how to serve others. It's like the whole center of gravity then shifts to the other people. And you end up thinking more about how to improve what you're giving them and how to do that better than you think about your own self. So gradually, when we work for the right motives, we become more Mm self-forgetful. Not in a a bad way, but just we tend not to be worried about what others think of us. We're just worried about how to essentially keep keep up the improvement that's going, and the more the more years you live like that, the more a habit that becomes. You know, of trying to really challenge yourself to provide the best for those around you. Yeah, and that that becomes the whole. It becomes like a sense of mission in life. Yeah, and so instead of just getting things done and just having a job where you clock in and clock out or something like that. There's much more a sense of giving yourself, investing yourself, and it starts to feel like much more of a deep mission in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that, that gradual development of a sense of mission is another real proof of having consistently been working for ideals for mm-hmm. a long time. Interesting. Yeah, actually, so one idea, I want to come back to that real quick, but just to make a point that it seems like what, what you're describing is peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that kind of sense that you're on the right track, you're yeah. not in threat mode. Like, and this reminds me of a phrase they often quote that peace is the tranquility of order. Yeah. So in the sense of your intentions are rightly ordered, that it's not so focused on yourself. That would be like disordered. But if they're focused on other people and helping and there's all kind of order there, that then peace is the tranquility that's brought about by that order. That's ex- um, I, yeah, it's exactly right. But and and then oh yeah, go ahead. That piece is much higher than self complacency mm-hmm. or self satisfaction or just anything where you're just aiming to satisfy yourself because that satisfaction wears off very quickly. 
Like yeah. you get the promotion, you get into the new club, the new school, yeah. whatever it is. And then, but that satisfaction wears off very quickly. Yeah. Peace, however, continually, I think, deepens as you keep it up. Right, right. And and that uh, then on this, on the question of mission. So the question we're discussing is your intention, your ideals. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And then mission seems to now get into the question of of like what you're doing. So it seems that if you're truly working with a motive of service for ideals, that over time that should start to appear in the way you actually spend your time and what you actually do mm-hmm. throughout the day. So I don't know if you can give us guidance on kind of how that actually looks uh, in practice like. Well, I think maybe that's just the natural thing that happens with order. That order is continually setting priorities. Mm -hmm. And so if you're setting priorities based on how to really best serve others, you know, and you're you're actually gonna be thinking more and more about the parts of your job that actually could have the highest impact. And those may not be easier for you to do. And so it might be you have to learn new things, and but you're challenging yourself. And you're trying continually to be just you know, providing the best. I think that's very different than uh, when people are just getting things done and working to satisfy themselves, you know, where they're not being innovative. There's no new stretches. There's no flexibility and change. But it's just like doing the same thing again and again and again. You know, that that sense of roteness is a sense that there's a kind of rot in the motive. Yeah, and somehow they're just doing things, uh, you know, uh, to get things done. Uh, rather than really putting themselves into it, and 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 then you know, they, and then putting their whole personality into it, putting you know their their ingenuity into it. But I think that even this, whatever job you think might be the simplest that a person could be paid to do, you and you could put more of yourself into that job, and and you could turn it into something actually beautiful that brings joy to people. And, and so and you know there. It, it, uh, so I think that there is a sense that as your ideals are shaping how you work, it's going to change what you prioritize to be really looking at those things that provide the better service, mm-hmm. the new skills I can learn. So it's constantly innovative and and deepening. And so you end up improving in a lot of ways. And so it starts shaping your job. And so the why eventually does become the what. That why you're doing things over time does really become, if you ask people, so what do you do for a living? I think you could say, and I could say, we really help people challenge themselves according to their highest ideals in each hour of work. You know, we help people develop a new approach to challenge in life. In a sense, that's because we've gotten to prioritize this over over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And that ends up becoming how we think of what we do. You, you know, it's not that I sit in front of a camera this many times a, a day or a week, you know, and I and I say words or that you for the coding, you wouldn't say, oh, I, I code. Yeah. So you I do say you, that sometimes, but do you really? I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think coding is a very noble pursuit. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so well, how do you typically answer the question though, when people say, so what do you do for a living? Uh... Probably at that what level. I mean, yeah, that's how I think. But 
Now you're making me rethink my answer. Yeah, I think if you tell them the why, uh-huh. it's, yeah. it's saying more, I guess. Start with it the is. why. Yeah, start with why. And so you, you say why you're doing it. But I think it starts to just feel like that more and more over time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That when you think of what you do for a living, the uh, it becomes like a, a kind of a mission statement. So you know, the, the, the official mission statement of Optimum Work is... I've said it already. Exactly. (laughs) Helping people challenge themselves to go into highest ideals in each hour of work. But it starts to just feel like what we do for a living. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. So I think that when you're doing the coding stuff, the more that that is directly tied to that sense of that by making this experience more smooth, more, you know, helping the the space bar to work in this scenario or whatever the little thing (laughs) might be. Don't bring that up. All those little bugs, yeah. But it, but it, it but it's part of the bigger mission, and, and yeah, it's, that's great. So it, it seems like actually just one kind of other sign that you're bring up now is like, okay, are you working with a motive of service? Well, are you serving people? That would exactly. seem to be a relevant question. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and can you like see how? You know, and so there are there are people who, for instance, you know, students, um, particularly graduate students, have been doing it for a while, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very interesting when you are working with a grad student, and they go from having a potential job to now there's actually like a university where they're going to be, you know, they're going to start teaching it. Suddenly, all their work suddenly they can. It seems like it is now more about serving the students. There's something wonderful when they get the job that it's just, everything becomes real. And they had been kind of serving the, you know, they they did their best study, they did the best work, partly thinking, well, this will help me to be a better professor and teacher down the line. But once it becomes more real, it's much more motivating, actually, and it's much more powerful. So you want to make the motive of who you're serving, you know, as real as possible. Now, you deal with a lot of our users all the time. And, and yeah. people who ask questions and stuff, and you're always answering those questions for them. And so I think it's maybe that's a good reminder that, okay, there are all these concrete people. And then we get the feedback and you see how people's lives are changing and people give us spontaneous testimonials. They're very beautiful. Uh, and you see, okay, then so that also helps us, I think, to remind us that, that uh, there are very definite specific people that we can have in mind when we're thinking of improving something and doing it better. Right, right. Okay, well, Kevin, I think I've overcome my midlife crisis now. So uh, (laughs) uh, I don't know if you want to summarize your thoughts or add any final words at this point, but. Well, maybe it's just that when we really are working for our highest ideals, and and ultimately that means real love and service for real people that exist, then I think what happens is we find that the task itself gets more enjoyable over time. So it does actually seem lighter. And we're also getting much better at it over time. So the sense of mastery is is always then increasing because we keep stretching ourselves in new ways because the ideals are unattainable. But you get better and better as you approach them by striving to be have greater ingenuity and creativity in how we serve. Also, I think at the end, they do, they do become much more deeply meaningful. So meaning and mastery and pleasure, that those things are actually increasing in our work itself, that is 
the ultimate fruit of aiming for ideals in everything that we do. Great. Well said. Well, Kevin, thanks so much. And, you know, not just for appearing on the podcast again, but also for helping, helping me with these ideas. So appreciate it a lot. And we'll be back. We'll be back next week. Great. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to check out OptumWork.com for a set of online tools to help you engage challenge in your life. See you next week.